0: Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast where we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba new news. Scuba Obsessed episode 129 is recorded live September 6, 2012. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Derek Jolson, and here's just a few of the stories we're going to have this week. We have no public diving in caves, deputies looking to find owners of stolen gear, and giant horseshoe crab uh, and bits. But before we get started, we're going to welcome our co-host for this week. We have Mac, our dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac?
1: doing very well. Glad to be here.
0: And we also have all the way from up north in Sheboygan, Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim?
2: I uh, say yeah, I'm doing as good as a pig in much. No, actually, I'm doing better than that. I'm as good as a fly in an outhouse. No, actually, I am better than that. I'm as good as a wreck diver in Sheboygan talking on talk shoe on the Scuba Obsessed podcast with a bourbon. It doesn't get much better than
0: this. You know, I don't know if you can put many more great things together and it not be illegal. Or, and or, I
1: should be there, damn it, and I'm not.
0: <laughs> I know. I should be there, too. Yeah,
1: that, that, hey, the, the week is
0: not over. We still have the weekend. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah I just don't think it's going to happen for me. And, Mac, how are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling better, but there ain't no way in heck I can put a tank on yet.
0: Well, not even a spare air?
1: <laughs> not after <laughs> last night. My spare air is going to be at 30. Oh. It's weightless in the water, Mac. I just don't have that much hookah line. <laughs>
0: Well, wow, that'd be nice to have that long a a line. Oh, man. Sounds like a personal problem to me. Oh, <laughs> well, it may be a problem, it may not. <laughs> well, we've got a full setup for the news. Plenty of articles. This is a kind of a heavy news week. I don't know if it's just everybody going back to school here in Michigan. School just started, so that is the official beginning of summer being over. But still plenty of nice diving weather left. Okay, come on, here we go. Oh, the page I was looking for can't be found. That's the way to start it. DNR diver high on cocaine at time of drowning. Department of Natural Resource diver that was high on cocaine when he drowned in Puget Sound this summer. That's according to the Kitsap County Coroner. The coroner now lists saltwater drowning as a cause of David uh, Shulness' death with acute cocaine intoxication as a contributing factor. He was 24 years of age when he disappeared on July 24th while diving off Bainbridge Island. His body was rediscovered on July 27th. Uh, DNR said he was diving for geoduck samples to look for paralytic shellfish poisoning. Oop, let me let me give the chat room a shot at this. You know, and and that is sad, but you it it something just didn't ring right. And as sad as it is, that's it kind of makes sense.
1: Well, drugs and diving don't mix.
0: They don't? No, that's one of the first things you learn in diving classes. Don't do it. And they're even talking about caffeine and and other things, like alcohol. And here you have somebody who was on acute cocaine intoxication. So that sounds like it was a little more than just a little bit.
1: Makes me wonder about the uh, other people on the boat allowing him to go down like that.
0: Yeah, you would think that if somebody was stoned out of their mind on cocaine, that somebody else would would notice
1: yeah it also makes you wonder uh well what else was going on i mean what about the other people
0: yeah certainly does now the one thing i did like about this story or at least the photo they chose to use in it is how about that boat
1: couldn't afford to gas
0: <laughs> i think you're right i'm looking at that and that's got to be a 40 a footer at least
1: i don't think i could tow it either with my uh a little Saturn, no, I don't
0: think that'll do it. <laughs> no, I think you're going to need something uh, a, little big, a little bit uh, bigger than that. This next one is from the Branton Herald. Manatee divers trying to ID owners of stolen scuba gear. The Manatee County Sheriff's Office detectives are trying to identify the owners of two kite surfers and scuba equipment they believe were stolen by burglary suspects last, arrested last week. Eric Herzog, 25, was arrested August 31st and so far has been charged with one count of grand theft and four counts of burglary with other charges pending. He's being held without bond in the Manatee County Jail. Grand theft charges in connection with the theft of a 2004 Yamaha Warrior ATV from Harbor Pine Contos on the 34th Street West in Branton on August 5th. Uh, While investigating the theft, deputies discovered what was believed to be stolen items behind when the ATV was stolen. The items include two kite surfers, scuba equipment. The sheriff's office on Wednesday released photographs of the items in an attempt to identify their owners. And I have to say, that has to be the worst photo ever, hoping that somebody would identify who the owners were.
1: Well, I, I looked at it. I was trying to see if I could locate anything of mine, and I sure couldn't tell from those photos.
0: I don't know. It, it, it looks like I can see a hose. Maybe what I'm looking at it, it isn't even scuba gear. I can't even tell. don't know. But I'm I'm thinking if you want somebody to identify you might you know make you know, at least from the pictures, you might want something a little bit better. Maybe they're hoping that they don't somebody doesn't come back and they can auction it. That's true. Hey, we posted it. Another article from down there in Florida. No diving for you. No public cave diving at Wakulla Springs. A 26-year-old policy-forbidden recreational cave diving in first magnitude Wakulla Springs will stand. The Florida Park Service told the Tallahassee Democrat that the decision was reached after a thorough vetting of the issue where various groups, including divers and scientists, were included. We feel the delicate balance between providing recreation and protecting our natural and cultural resources correct balance for the uh, Wakala State Springs Park. This is how government works. It's of and for the people. Uh, Let's see. The Department of Environmental Protection and Park Services uh, were requested to allow access to a 185-foot deep spring and pool venture inside a 300-foot deep cave, which leads to more than 30 miles of underwater caverns. They said changing the standing policy would be an economic bo- boost to the area and would not hurt the cave. But scientists, environmentalists, and spring protection advocates decried public diving in the park's centerpiece spring as a terrible idea fought with concerns about safety and encroachment upon other park activities such as swimming and boat tours. Further, they said uh, public access would put the spring's 10,000-year-old artifacts and ongoing spring research in jeopardy. So, basically, if you're not part of the six or seven people who are allowed to dive there, then tough, bu- tough for you.
1: Hey, that's what I was thinking. For the people, <laughs> except this time.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, only for the people who uh, are in the inner group.
1: Right, and for 26 years, they've had it to themselves to do all this exploration, recovery. What the heck have they done?
0: Yeah. So uh, How is that
1: any better than having the public available to go down there?
0: It would put 10,000-year-old artifact. What artifacts are down there that, are, that they're trying to protect?
1: Like I said, for 26 years, what are they doing with it?
0: Yeah. So they, they couldn't photograph them all in that time? Couldn't and, and the videotape
1: part, them? The other part, they said, point out, alive. cave diving is oh, allowed man. three other springs. So, obviously, safety is not the issue. I remember they were talking
2: about one of the reasons they didn't want them there. It's concerns
0: for safety. Yeah.
2: Subliminal message.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's that subliminal. <laughs> so 30 miles of underwater cavern, 300 foot deep cave, and they didn't want to let anybody in it. So, so uh, the only way this is going to change people is you got to get involved. If you're down there in that area, you got to lean on them. And you know, one one way to do it, is you hate to get nasty, but you defund them. You know, if they're not going to let you use it, then why do they have any money to go let them play?
1: Yeah, and what is the 26 years? What have they done in 26 years?
0: I don't know. When's the last time you saw a National Geographic special on uh, Baculla Springs? You know, the, the big famous videos and everything. It's just not there. So we need to get these uh, areas opened up to divers so that we can get in and use it. What's, what's, the, what's the point if nobody can use it? You're protecting something that nobody's going to see. And were they afraid the divers gonna be peeing in there?
1: Could be. Especially in the dry suit's not.
0: <laughs> so. Well maybe onto something a little bit lighter, but ba- Bahamas. And I'm trying to figure out the angle of this article. Was, I can't tell if they were complaining about not getting support or if they were just didn't want the support. But uh this one is out of the Royal Gazette online. And it says Bermuda's top story dive magazine, with no help from the tourism department. Uh, Bermuda's inspirational scuba diver is covering story in Sports Diver magazine, featuring several pages of color photographs of the island shipwrecks and sites. And the uh, sites as the writer follows the footsteps of the stars of the movie The Deep. Even more publicity is set to uh, follow. A November issue where the magazine publishes a sixteen-page feature. Bermuda and special guides to the island. But the island scuba magazine said it received no cooperation or advertising from the tourism department for either issue, despite the fact that the new tourism plan specifically named diving and water sports as new destination hubs that Bermuda should be marketing. So what it sounds like is that uh, there's a few people down there are grumbling about that. They were able to get support from a couple hotels and a couple dive operators who ended up funding it, but they're saying that uh, they had absolutely no involvement, which I don't necessarily know if i am be all that concerned if my government wasn't spending money in magazines on ads. Yeah. But they should at least be supplying material or recommendations on tourism if uh, somebody's going to come in and talk about it.
1: Yeah. I'm curious about, um, they talked about the article pointed out, Bermuda is known as a wreck capital of the Atlantic with more than 300 historical wrecks I'd like to know what those 300 are and how they define them as historical wrecks.
0: They're old or, 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 you know, not new.
1: Yeah, Not new. Okay.
0: Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, Havana in our world is historical, but I have to say that to get to the number they were talking about, they're got to count some that are even in worse shape than our rubble wrecks. Well,
1: the other aspect, again, Mother Nature takes care of those wrecks. And she ain't really a good housekeeper. No. <laughs> so I'm just curious again. What are they protecting it from? Yeah, the picture you notice the the two bottles. Of course, he has. Those are not antiques by any stretch. They're no,
0: screw- they did not look antique.
1: Yeah, screw tops. Not even embossed. Maybe yeah, they, yeah go.
0: They, they they could they just need to come in our neck of the woods and they'll see some bottles.
1: Not a lot of smackies
0: at it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's right, a
1: lot of things I leave for the pickings.
0: Uh, well, that's true, which we'll talk about later. Uh, Nantwich couple searches for a scuba diving vicar. And since they use the term vicar, I'm picturing this is from the UK. A loved-up uh, Nantwich couple has launched a frantic search for scuba diving vicar to carry out an underwater marriage blessing. Jason Hoover, 35, and Paula Davies, 30, says it will be the perfect way to celebrate taking the plunge after getting married on dry land later this month. But first they have to find a man or woman of the cloth. Who's also a qualified diver. Uh, Jason, who is also a police officer says we've been together for five years now. And every year we've been doing diving holiday together. I suppose you could say diving is a bit of a religion for us and certainly a great passion. So you really like to have the element of our wedding celebration underwater. I just don't think they've tried hard enough if they can't find one.
1: Yeah. That's what I would say.
0: Yeah. So, uh, must, must have been a slow news week for somebody to have to cover it. Uh, or the other thing is, if you really want that bad, find a uh, minister who wants to be a scuba diver.
1: Seems like to do that really good, you'd have to have communication systems, meaning full face or maybe a helmet.
0: i just do cue cups.
1: <laughs> that, that way you could you could hear each other, but it'd be a little hell to kiss the bride.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so uh, Dave's saying he's an ordained minister. He did he took a course online
1: holiday and express
0: does that count yeah yeah i guess you could do that too after a long weekend i it just doesn't feel like thursday does it i'm way out of whack scuba diver records record pickings an array of underwater life has been discovered by a team of scarborough scuba divers during a year-long reef survey project a chimney sponge a crystal sea slug, and a spotted ray were some of the little creatures found by members of the uh, branch of the British Sub-Aqua Club. To mark the culmination of a successful project, the club took uh, part in the underwater litter pick 2012 with more than 20 divers spending a day cleaning rubbish and litter from the seabed off the Scarborough Sea over the weekend.
1: Now, they didn't say how much they, they captured. No, but it looks like a lot of plastic.
0: Yeah, there is plenty of plastic. And I'm, I'm starting to see that more and more recently. Yeah. This, this must have been the uh, ecology weekend because I've I was going
1: to say that from the, from the other couple of items.
0: Yeah, it just seems that it's a, if it's a time of year or what it is, but there is a well, lot this of is
1: a diving season. Getting their last licks in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's better than the beginning of the season. That way, nobody has an excuse. By this time, everybody should all be going if you do at the beginning. I always thought it would be better in the spring because you got all that trash that's kind of worked its way in the river and and things. But then you've also got, you know, more likely crappy vis then. And this one was uh, New Haven Divers in Underwater Litter Pick. Uh, a team of 14 divers trawled up a truckload of rubbish during an underwater litter pick on Saturday. The event took place off New Haven. And added a variety of debris, including a remote control, a pedal bike, sunglasses, rubber gloves, and electric cable. Uh, one of the divers said in just a short time, we collected quite a large volume of rubbish. The vast majority of it was plastic. Is it the same group?
1: No, I believe it's a different one.
0: Different one. Well, they're seeing the same thing we did. Um...
1: Now, their pile of trash looks good. You know, like you've got an effort there. And it doesn't look like, uh, it, that's more like food product bottles, items like that. Well, so tires, things like that there.
0: Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, I think the reason we're seeing all these, especially from the UK, is it's the uh, the BSAC underwater litter pick. So this must have been a, a countrywide with all the uh, dive clubs in, in the Great Britain. But they said that uh, the Brighton and Hove City Council collected 42 tons of rubbish last weekend, from the seafront and city center. So Whoa. just not including the seafront, that's 42 tons. And that's probably in metric, I'm, I'm imagining. So it's gonna be uh, quite a lot.
1: And I bet that was more than uh, 14 divers. Yeah. That's, that's a good effort. That's a heck of an effort.
0: I, I like the uh, the comment below. It says, uh, we can't have a zero, zero policy on these scumbags who drop litter.
1: Yeah, a little hard to
0: enforce. Yeah, yeah. They, they're, they're he says uh, they they want to deposit on every KFC McDonald's box. <laughs> they're basing it. They saying that's what that's what we do in the U.S. Not yet. No, we we do do it on pop bottles, but we haven't done it on uh, packaging.
1: Not all no. states, by the way.
0: No, no, not all states. But I can remember. As a kid, when they changed that law, it did make a difference. I know everybody made a grumbled, hell of a difference. Grumbled about it, and, and really, what it does, it gives. A, you almost hate to say it, but it gives the homeless people uh, a source of revenue.
1: Actually, it does.
0: Yeah, because I, there's you know a few people around uh, the county, and you see them just walking along the side of the roads picking up bottles and cans.
1: You see them at Silver Beach towards the afternoon and late evening, and what is the stuff? And most of them aren't taking trash out without putting it back in, but they're collecting the bottles and stuff.
0: Yep. And then we have uh, Sea, scuba divers, clean up uh, litter uh, in the Canadian waters. A group of scuba divers have joined a nationwide effort to tackle litter dumped into rivers, around 20 members of the uh, Subaquatic aquatic club which is a branch of the British sub-aquatic club, BSAC, spent their Sunday removing shopping trolleys, motorbike frames, and cans from Canadian waters. Nothing
1: unusual, is it?
0: No. No. The only
1: thing is, some of that is a good home life. You know, for the crayfish, they said found some huge crayfish, and what do you find in those shopping carts? That's nice homes for those guys.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, in a certain aspect, not that I'm advocating just throwing junk in the water, but uh, w- when you look at the artificial reef program, you're, you're trying to create spaces for the animals to live. So, uh, you know, critters will will turn things into habitat.
1: We just need bigger cars put down in the river and stuff as habitats. And, uh, you know, of course, make sure the oil and gas are out, you know, the lubricants.
0: Uh-huh. Certainly.
1: I'd go for that. Nice looking dry suit that guy's got.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I saw the basket. I actually thought that was a nice uh, catch basket. Throw an inner tube around there and a dive flag on it, and you're all set. Absolutely. So, but you know, ecology dives I love. You know, I can. Uh, yeah. You know, if you if you put the same stuff on land, I wouldn't I wouldn't even look at it and really care. But you throw it underwater, I'm all for getting it up.
1: By the same token, though, if you were in the park like you're at Niles and you saw that crap, you pick it up and put it in the trash.
0: Well, yeah, all the time. That just becomes second nature. <laughs> And here we have somebody on the front of trying to get a world record. A man is hoping to reclaim his brother's scuba dive record.
1: Now, is this the same guy we talked about last year?
0: It may be. It says Paul Devane aims to spend 15 hours underwater in the Atlantic Ocean to raise $1,000 for charity while beating the time set by a Maltese team in February. And 2009-to-33-year-old was forced to pull out of his first attempt due to technical malfunction when his P-valve in his dry suit that let him go to the toilet failed. I don't, I don't know why they think, what else would he be doing with the pee valve? Uh, his brother, uh, Dulcan Devane, stayed underwater for almost 12 hours, setting the first Guinness World Record for the longest cold seawater scuba dive in open seas and raising 35,000 euro for children's charity in memory of his son. I managed to stay down just short of eight and a half hours then, but the P valve was faulty, so I couldn't go to the toilet. Yeah, where it yeah, I'm going to say, what What do you mean you couldn't go?
1: You're going for a record.
0: Yeah. But in that stage, I had to come up. There was a massive dif- discomfort. After about three hours, I had no choice. Sure you did. Uh, with support of his older brother in the Scuba Dive West Dive Center, Mr. Devane will dive off uh, Killery, Co. Galloway, on October 9th where he'll be exposed to temperatures in less than 15 degrees Celsius. That sounds like summer temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> When they collect funds for the children's uh, cancer charity, hand in hand, and the children R N L I via the website uh, world, world's longest scuba dive It'll be cold. It'll be long. He continued, but there'll be no breaks, no meals, no toilet stops. Well, he just thought he just said there was a toilet stop. That's why I had to stop. I want to make uh, 15 hours, so it will be a challenge. Uh, Del Cane had the record of 11 hours and 42 minutes held the record until February this year when a Maltese team broke the record after the second attempt by less than one hour. His aim is to raise more money for charity. We hope our efforts and people's generosity get back to the two charities who have done so much with so little. But I also want to break the record and reclaim it and bring it back to the Irish seas. So. Irish
1: seas, huh?
0: Yeah. So w- w- what kind of record can we do? Well, yeah,
1: you know, I was just looking at uh, 15 degrees Celsius is what, uh, 59 degrees Fahrenheit? 1.8 oh.
2: plus
0: 32. So 59 Fahrenheit? Oh, come on, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's like, excuse me, that's, that's wetsuit water. Yeah, it's, I, well, it's all wetsuit water for me. But, yeah, I, I definitely sit here saying that wasn't really that cold.
1: Not to me, it's not. I'll take that any time.
0: Yeah. Now it might admittedly it might be hard to do eight hours in a wetsuit.
1: Yeah. You've been watching that uh, Baron Sea Gold?
0: Yes. they're doing most of that stuff in wetsuits.
1: Yeah, but they're using it's uh hot water suit with that or hot water through the wetsuit.
0: Yeah, some of those hot water uh <coughs> rigs they're using aren't all that sophisticated or well designed.
1: Uh no. That solves they're the p
0: belt problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the wetsuit does. But, yeah, they're, they're in that program, they, they go from extremes of people scalding themselves to freezing and uh, forgetting to put gas in the pumps. Now, they, it looks like they had a separate pump just for running the water and heating it up. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they'd have a pump that would heat up the water. Well, it must have had a jacket around the engine, and then it would take that, that same pump, would then pump it down.
1: Now, what we used to do is take the exhaust, move the muffler, and put a, a long pipe up then coil copper around the exhaust, that heats it up good.
0: Yeah, I was watching that show, and it makes me want to go.
1: <laughs> you and me both, except I'd like somebody to be a little more attentive to me on the freaking bottom.
0: Oh, yeah, they're a they're, uh, little lax on the safety. If you haven't watched that show, what we're talking about is it takes place in Alaska, and they're going under the ice to because they, they have a summer version of the show where they're just going out diving off a barge. And those barges are pretty rickety. That two thirds of them have, but those same rickety pieces of equipment they now slide out in the ice uh, in different configurations. Just cut a hole in and then go down. And it, while somebody's down, everybody else is playing. There's nobody tending a line. Nobody really keeping track of all the gear. At least they, I have noticed they are using uh, a full face masks with comm systems now.
1: Yeah, but uh, like the other the other day, had a regulator freeze. And it's like <clears throat> generally they freeze open, and I really couldn't make a determination just watching them.
0: Yeah, my because I, I think I know the, the one. How, you're
1: t- how thick that ice
0: was? It's four feet thick. Yeah, it was pretty thick.
1: Did you watch how they got it out?
0: I didn't see him get it out. No.
1: It, it was interesting the different ways they made the hole.
0: Yeah, I, I saw the one group had uh, was making the hole, and they didn't even have a chainsaw, so they were using augers, <laughs> yeah. and they were they were just augering it. <laughs> <laughs> around and around, but they uh, like uh, oh that that one where they had the ghee and uh, they were you know the, the the two of them were having problems with the regulators and I couldn't tell if they were both if the regulator was a little funky, but I had the feeling that they were try- that they were way over breathing their equipment. You, you know how if you get too panicky you just don't feel like you can get enough air. That was kind of my impression of what was going on. And then the one that that girl did eventually settle down. But I think by that time she had over, you know, had hyperventilated and it just needed to come back up. But uh, gosh, yeah, I'm, I'm like, wow, you, you you get you get to go down there and find gold all at the same time.
1: I, and their visibility was very and they're saying we got lousy visibility. And it's, it's like, excuse me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They were they had a good, I don't know, 30 feet.
1: Well, the photographer had to be at least twenty, fifteen, or twenty anyway. Yeah. Meaning you could see five or six, six or seven feet. That's more than enough, and that was without lights.
0: Yeah, and I was wondering, is a photographer using the same hole as they are, or do they have a another hole they're cutting and then they're coming down and catching up with them?
1: I'm sure that guy was scuba.
0: Oh yeah, he wasn't coming down to hook a rig or anything. But yeah, I I I love that that show. Well, this next article was one we covered last week. If you remember, we had said the giant horseshoe crab made it to the bottom. Uh, a little bit more details came out, and uh, it does appear it made it to the bottom, but maybe not in one piece. And if you watch the video that is in the uh, link, uh, yeah, it didn't doesn't look like that was really how it was meant to go down.
1: I think when they say horribly wrong is a good clue.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the funny thing is that they took credit for saying they got in the bottom and there's a bunch of press releases, so I couldn't figure out had those been written in advance, and they were just published without really, you know, just verified that it went down. But uh, in this particular case, somebody from, a must have been a boat observing, took the video, and you can see the crab just, at yeah, one minute, suspended about halfway in the water, and then the... Uh, uh, cables. Yeah, I don't know if the cables broke, or... No, I said cable snapped. Uh, oh, cable snapped, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it may not actually break the record now. I think they have to verify it, and uh, if it goes in pieces, they, they they may not be able to give it credit for being the largest sculpture.
1: Yeah, you know, just an odd about this. You see that name, Chris Wojcik? Yeah. I was in Wolf's uh, a couple, maybe three, four weeks ago. There's a couple of tanks with tons and tons of stickers on it, and I glanced at the name. It was
0: Chris Wojcik. Huh. Chris Wojcik. I want. I mean, that seems to be an unusual enough name. You wouldn't think there'd be too many people with it no okay well now i'm going to have to do a quick look well i I
1: do know i do know another Wojcik, but not chris but i think his son i was going to check on that and i never did but now i might have to
0: yeah i mean it just could be a coincidence you know two people the same name yeah yeah well i'm doing a google search and i can find quite a few of them of course we've got the
1: biologist the one you're looking for
0: yeah he's a biologist they have uh one looks like some sort of uh sports coach One's a Harvard professor, Chris. Well, it might
1: be fun to look that up a little bit. That It could be quite interesting.
0: Yeah? Well, you never know. maybe. Because I, I, w- I was just wondering maybe he was you know, a West Michigan artist and just happened to be doing a project out there or something. But.
1: Huh. Yeah, or checking out our area. Yeah, yeah we could. we the definitely guy that
2: could. did that
0: sculpture by the uh,
1: fan shelf.
0: Uh, yeah, that, that one would look much better underwater. I think so. Yeah, I I
1: like it. It's a neat lightning rod.
0: I've just never seen lightning hit it.
1: I know I haven't either, and I'm so surprised.
0: Well, I noticed that it's it's able to scare away the pigeons.
1: Yeah, there ain't no pigeons on it, is there?
0: No, that's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. (laughs) Well, Dan has uh, reached out support for the Aquarius Reef Base. Uh, If you remember, the Aquarius Reef Base is one in Florida where they're trying to get funding, and uh, they were doing a big PR. Push and the senators and politicians are coming down and diving. Well, uh, Dan, the Divers Alert Network, has agreed to act as a financial sponsor for the nonprofit uh, Aquarius Foundation. And uh, so, what they've done is they're setting up a special website presence dedicated to the Aquarius Reef Base Project. 100% of the funds donated to the Dan through this page will be earmarked for use by the Aquarius Foundation. Over the years, many important research studies have been conducted by diving researchers using the Aquaria Free Space. Dan strongly supports the initiative and wants everything possible to ensure they continue. We encourage all Dan members and diving community to take a look at the Aquaria site and help us save a historic and vital piece of diving history. But wasn't Dan going to put any of their own money in? They're setting up the website. How big of them?
1: That's interesting, though.
0: Yeah, because Dan is nonprofit, but they do have a for-profit branch which could uh, kick in a few shekels.
1: I do like the, uh, one picture on the front of that article, though. That's a great clear shot of that wreck, the aft end of the wreck.
0: Oh, the one at the top. The, yeah, the uh, yeah. Oh, diving website diving. is the uh, <laughs> the NOAA Diving Program newsletter, and that is just a – doesn't that look like a tug?
1: Yeah, it looks so clear, too. I mean, that's, that is a very nice shot. Yeah,
0: very well done. So. If you remember, a few weeks ago, we were talking about how to take great uh, wreck photos. And uh, this is another example of it. You, know, you have the diver in frame. You show the massiveness of the wreck. Excellent photo. So that does it for Scuba News. Now, we do have a photo of the week. Paste that one into the chat room as well. This one is the atmospheric diving suit. Uh, it was made by Nief, uh, Niefut and Kunt in uh, Germany in 1839. Ooh. K-U-H-N-K-E, uh, requisitioned by the Royal Navy in 1945. So it was made in 39, but then requisitioned by the Royal Navy in 45. Does that mean it was like a fire sale? No. Yeah, uh, the us borrow uh, that from you. It.
1: You noticed that was after the war.
0: Well, that's what I was, I was noticing. It was built before the war and taken after the war. So does that just mean that they grabbed it and brought it over?
1: Well, spoils of war. Yeah. The winner takes all.
0: Yep. And they also get the right history too. Uh tested to three hundred and fifty feet. It doesn't look that comfortable to me.
1: Yeah, you don't want that chain to break. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: At least the gym suits give you a little better chance to survive and or the wasp. That's a good one. Yeah. That's nice though. I mean, consider the vintage. That's cool.
0: Yeah, well looking at I look at the I keep looking at the feet. And I'm thinking if if you were in any sort of cold water, your feet would freeze to a brick. doesn't look like there's enough room in there to have uh, much socks or anything.
1: You ever been in one of those?
0: No, no, not at all.
1: Uh, we used to have one like, well, I'll, I'll find a picture of the one we had at our school. And uh, it was one of the first of the kind back in the 40s and 50s. And our school, uh, head of our school actually invented it. He was one of these guys like, I don't know, innovators of diving. Mm-hmm. I'll look for it. But you're right, they can get very cold, and you did have to have good good wool clothing.
0: Yeah, but, because I just imagine that it starts to, you know, condensation, because you're working, I'm sure. Yeah. You're in there, and then you've got to use your muscles to move all those joints. And as the pressure gets deeper, the joints start to tighten up and be harder to move. <clears throat> so, but a very cool photo. And then we have a couple videos to take a look at. Oh, no, wait, this is a potential cool scuba gear. So uh, here another one for the chat room to take a peek at. Stark Industries. So this one was, um, I guess they're filming Iron Man 3 and they used a dive shop in the course of shooting and that was in Wilmington, North Carolina. And uh, and they were nice enough to provide the film crews, Marvel Studios, with a place to film. So there must be a scene involving scuba. Oh, who did we lose? You Still there, Mac? Yes. Okay.
1: I was trying to find a picture and I couldn't. Like you said, I don't know if they use the tank. That's pretty interesting. Just having the logo on the side.
0: Yeah. So what they're doing is they're saying that the uh, that the film crews. You know, did is this a treat or did they vandalize? So they uh, took the tanks and they emblazoned them with uh, Stark Industries logo on the side. So I'm I'm hopeful that they bought the tanks <laughs> and then put the logos on. Yeah. Yeah, that's how movie... Movie, movie studios are so generous.
1: would love to get in there to that 2000 Leagues Under the Sea set and get some of their old rigs. Those were just wonderful looking. The diving rigs. Uh-huh. Even though they used scuba sets with it, sort of hidden under it. That would be awesome to have one of those.
0: Okay, and then we have a couple shots at the video. One of them... And it didn't really make – in fact, I'm probably not even going to post it up on the Scuba Obsessed video site because uh, it just – it's like I, I want to get a better copy of it. It could be an interesting video. It, what it was is it was one of the photographers who works for the uh, the TV station, and they must have had a GoPro. They they're shooting, I guess you'd call it, B-roll film uh, for a segment they were doing. And as they came up, they dropped the camera, and the camera fell down. And uh, they were unable to go back for it. And then a week later, some divers from Wisconsin came and found the camera, and it actually shows footage of the camera falling down into the bottom and into the hold of the wreck. That's cool. So that is neat. But i like to find it. I, in this particular video, they got people talking and jabbering all over it. We know how we hate people talking. And uh, yeah, you just can't see it. And then I got that damn. 7abc logo banner across the whole damn thing you can't see anything around it and they even had some in-studio people having a side conversation so not really impressed by that tv team but uh just the raw footage would be nice to see so i'll have links in the show notes to that even though i don't plan on putting it up on the site and then we did have a uh we'll call this one the video of the week uh this one was uh what they called the scuba song a recently certified diver, who is also a singer, decided that he enjoyed diving so much he's going to make the uh, scuba dive song. Now, did you happen to catch the, the screenshot right at the beginning of the video?
1: Are you there, Darren? I'm here. What happened?
0: Uh, what? Did you hear me talking?
1: You, you dropped off on mine.
0: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I was just saying, did you happen to notice uh, the uh, screenshot that shows up in the beginning of the video? No, that did not. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's about six seconds in on the video. It says no scuba divers were harmed during the making of this film. Hey, that's copyright. That's what I was thinking. Copyright. Hey, they're taking that
1: from somebody I know.
0: Yeah, it just it just seems to be too much of a coincidence. Mm-hmm. So, do we have
1: well,
0: a? You know, listening to your show. Yeah, yeah, maybe. maybe uh, yeah, they use the use the copyrighted line, but at least we like to get a plug in.
1: Six, seen, oh Wow, and oh, I, I, I like that transition. So nice compliment too. Yep. yep. At least I was smart enough to turn the audio off this time.
0: <laughs> so, but uh, they did a fairly decent job on the video, I and mean, because the song is kind of catchy.
1: And you guys were talking about this on the podcast.
0: So definitely worth the videos, about four minutes and 23 seconds. You can get a link to it on our website, uh, divevideos.scubaobsessed.com. And if you click on the first button, Creative, Uh, it's going to show you all the videos in that category, which we're starting to have quite a few of them. We have uh, that one, the scuba song. We have the art project with the wheelchair. We have the Bohemian Rhapsody from Master Divers and the Underwater Nightclub. So uh, I know there's got to be another 40 or 50 videos just in that creative group. And I am going to change out that menu, but for right now, that's getting us by.
1: An underwater... Not that I want one, but it's still... You guys get real quiet. I wonder if you're still there.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you, you said something like not that you want one.
1: Yeah, right. Even though I can't walk through right now, well, I have to have a little bit of support to get that in the water and get it out. Uh-huh.
0: Okay, well, that does it for the news, the photos, and the gear, and the videos. So now we get to talk about some scuba diving. So, Mac, at least you're getting a little closer. About how many more weeks do you think you got? Did the doctor give you any indication of when you'll get the green light?
1: Oh, uh, when I can put a tank on my back, and that ain't too—that's not too soon, I don't think. No. Maybe the hookah is the way to go.
0: <laughs> it may be, and uh, when we when we start talking about the diving that we did on uh, Monday, I mean that would be prime hookah territory.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah.
0: So let's uh, let's see. Did we have any diving now? Bob had gone up Sheboygan Saturday. Now. Uh, Jim Schultz and I. We had some visitors come in from out of state. We had uh, was it Travis and Justin and Dave from Ohio came in. Uh, so on Saturday we did the which wreck was that, uh, Jim?
2: Saturday we did the Havana,
0: Havana. So and I think that was their first wreck dive on Lake Michigan. And visibility wasn't really all that great. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't anything to write home about uh there's a thermocline was just about right at the bottom. I would say we had high sixties, low seventies on the surface, and uh probably in the bottom it was probably about fifty degrees but uh visibility was four feet maybe uh, now, I do have to say that the captain of the vessel had a great sense for where that buoy was.
2: Frankly, well, the sense was just a little bit late. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you you know, I I would say you were dead on it.
2: I was dead on. There's no doubt about that. I don't think I could have found that buoy any more than I found it the way we found it.
0: That's for sure. So uh, there is still a buoy, at least for the next couple weeks, and we're getting that time of year we start putting buoys away. Uh, There was some new boards exposed from the last time I was on the Havana. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I – because – I don't know if the sand's moving on and off throughout the season, which is why there's no mussels on it. But I didn't get far. I, I pretty much stuck to where uh, we came down the anchor line, and then I went over. I, I went up the centerboard trunk, and then found where the other where the buoy was. Went up and floated another surface buoy. So that was pretty much my dive for that day. Uh, didn't take a line with you? No, I had divers with lines in there, but. Yeah. What I did is I actually followed the anchor line down. Yeah. And then when I saw them below me, I kind of went, I came down next to them and the viz was so bad that I went and swam away. <laughs> so and I never did get connected to the anchor line or to where their buoy was. But luckily I I found the, uh, uh, the, uh, where their, uh, uh, not line, uh, reel was. But I, I went and found the the subsurface buoy, and then there was a another buoy there that hadn't been floated. So I refloated that one and and came up. But it was it was a nice dive. I can at least say I was on Havana this year because I I had missed the three other Havana dives we'd had.
1: Well, there was a lot more wood out there collectively this year than I've seen in a long time. And the wire spools that you couldn't see for years, there's a lot more of that exposed. Yeah. And if you do go to the the different aspects of the wreck, that would go straight into the sand. That before, it was more smooth than feathered out. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of that wreck there that we have not seen for many years.
0: Yeah. It kind of What's amazing is how the wreck opens up because it almost feels like we could have a year where there could be no wreck there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's like the the water is working its way around the structures, which tends to keep that open. But uh, yeah, we're we're going to have a sand's going to move just right, and all we're going to do is have a buoy line coming up out of the sand. But that was uh, Saturday. It was a good warm up. Uh, the waves were a little. I mean, I think we had two to three two footers two to that two day. Two
2: um, one, to uh, twos plus, two
0: to yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, because you had. I mean, it was probably really one to twos. With an underlying swell that would occasionally come, so that was that was Saturday, and then Sunday we went out to Max wreck, and you know I was keeping my fingers crossed. We've been watching the the cook plant buoy and was a little concerned that it may not have cleaned up, especially since from the Havana dive, a little bit of uh, current on the surface, and then we went down and we probably had a good. I don't know, thirty feet, thirty five feet?
2: Uh yeah, maybe twenty five to thirty.
0: Yeah. So some nice visibility on that.
1: I'll take twenty five to thirty feet anytime.
0: Yeah. Well especially after the last, you know, time I was there where we had inches. So uh with the water stratifying again and getting the nice defined thermoclines, I felt the the thermocline was did actually move. I did two dives. On Max wreck, and between the first dive and the second dive, it did move down, but we were able to get all the uh out of state divers uh travis justin Dave onto max wreck so three three more people who've been on the wreck who hadn't been on it before also there's i I've heard that there's some video of the wreck, and then maybe we'll also post some uh photos that were taken underwater but uh it was, it was nice, yeah. And I have seen some photos. In fact, we'll put them in the show notes, some of the photos that came off the wreck. Uh, some nice close-ups of some of the dead eyes.
1: Oh, I'd like to see some of those.
0: Yeah, in fact, uh, Mac, what I'll probably do, of course, it might mess up the feed, but I'll... I'll... I can get it from you later. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll, after the show, I'll I'll send you links to you get copies to add to your, your collection. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> there's a comment in the chat room that uh, some of the divers may have uh, uh, been feeding the fish.
2: We won't necessarily
0: say how, but they were feeding fish. They were feeding fish.
1: I would going to say you met through the regulator.
0: <laughs> no, I, I don't
1: know no, if I anybody
0: that, had to do it through the regulator. I
2: think if they had been in the water, it may not have been as bad. Sunday, we had a very interesting day. Uh, The wind was out of the east, so that made the boat go up and down, and the waves were out of the north, so it made the boat go side to side, and we were going up and down and side to side, and up and down and side to side, all at the same time.
0: Yeah.
1: So let me get in here. Then for the podcast I listened to, Diver the other day, when they were talking about methods to prevent or to mitigate sea thickness, or were applicable at that dive?
0: Yeah, I, I think that might have been the catalyst that drove that conversation.
1: Okay, I don't think Jim was <laughs> listening to that one, but I was. That was quite an entertaining enough podcast. For.
2: Now, now, we were handing out ginger slices, crystallized ginger, <laughs> and everybody was chewing on that, and drinking ginger ale, See, trying I, to eat anything salty or dry or whatever we could get to keep down for the guys. But, you know... Hey, I had a good greasy Italian sub with hot peppers.
0: Yeah. So I've been, I've been fairly fortunate. I mean, because like Rich talked about in his show, I think he, him and I have pretty, pretty similar backgrounds from being on boats. You know, my, my, with my grandfather and my dad. I mean, we were on, I, I was probably on the water before I was a month old. And have just spent my whole life on and off. Uh, I've, there's probably only been one time I can say that I I was seasick. I never lost it, but I definitely didn't feel good. And I was already sick. And I did the the ultimate no no, which is go down in the boat. And it's a fairly new boat with fiberglass still curing and stuff. And that just kind of turns your stomach, even without a little seasickness. But now
2: well, I, I will I will say by the end of the day when you guys were doing the second dive, uh, Travis was up there saying, you know, I kind of like this now. He had gotten used to the rock in motion. Of course, the wind had shifted and it had flattened out quite a bit, but he was enjoying it, I think, when he was up there at the end.
0: Yeah, and and what you want to do is you want to listen to the last uh, Diver Sink episode that Rich put on. He talked about some of the ways, the different types of seasickness. Uh, For me where you can kind of get a little green around the gills is if you're doing some fine motor skills and you can't see the horizon you're focusing on something like you're putting your regulator together or trying to write or read that can sometimes get a little disorienting Most definitely.
1: I think everybody has at least one good seasick story.
0: Yeah. We just threw
2: the guys in the water and told them to bob around for a while, and they started feeling better.
0: Yeah. Oh, for for me, if you're ever getting a little bit of not liking the motion, it's always better to be in the water. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Then when they went below and yeah. we started breathing some, some dry air and got below the surface, it all got good.
0: Now, I have heard, like, uh, Jim Kleeman, he absolutely loves the... He loves uh, doing Dramamine, uh, you know, probably an hour or two before he goes yeah, out. Yeah, if I'm got
1: to get on a boat, anything ziffy, an hour before I take the Dramamine.
0: Yeah. yeah, I've never had to take Dramamine. I almost feel like I should as a preventative, but I, I guess when it happens, then I'll wish I had. <laughs> so I tell, tell you what, it, for Sunday
2: dives, or your Monday dives. Well, Monday,
0: so we, we had a great, a great dive of Max Rec on Sunday, and we had the van on Saturday. And on Monday, we took everybody to the river. So we went to the, the boat launch just up from the waste treatment plant. Maramont. Yep. And that was absolutely beautiful. When you look at a river and you can see the bottom as far out as you can see, that's a good sign. So I'm going to say we had, oh, 15 plus visibility. So, you know, not quite, you know, good Lake Michigan, but excellent for the river. And the current was slow all the way across. So if you hadn't had a chance to do a river dive, that was a good way to ease into it. I mean, you could swim against uh, the current anywhere in that water column, at least in the stretch river where we were at. So everybody got a chance to uh, find some, some bottles. We had uh, probably at least two, two and a half hours underwater. It's just nice uh, when, you, when you're only about 10 to 15 feet deep, how much bottom time you can get. Uh, and uh, they did get to see the Model T. And, Mac, you had really exposed that quite a bit.
1: Yeah, it took them a while to dig a lot of that crap out. But it was interesting.
0: Yeah, it was. We should
1: have a motor on it.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised at how little, I'm surprised how much was there and how little was there. Because there's a yeah, lot you of. You know that.
1: where the doors are. Don't you? The doors are downstream in about three foot of water now. Huh.
0: But now I can say I've seen a Model T underwater. Now, I wonder if there's an axle or anything or if it's just a body.
1: I, I didn't go all the way through that. It's basically the framework. Uh uh-huh. And it's not, you know, when I say, we say Model T, it's more like a, a very old pickup truck type.
0: Well, it felt kind of like a little roadster. It had, it had,
1: yeah. It had a, that square bed in the back.
0: Yeah. So we saw that uh, I found a, a vintage 1950s transistor radio. Uh, we had some nice Coke bottles that, except for just about every one we found, had some sort of damage on it, some crack. Yeah, they're in the chat room. They're saying that the River Rock definitely want to do it again for a repeat. So uh, yeah, that was that was a good way of breaking people in.
1: Take them to another spot. It'd be more fun.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, this time of year, I, I would would the I would love to go and spend. Just just do the river. Just just start up at the uh, the top, the bridge where we started before, Mac, and just zigzag. Well, I
1: started all the way up. It, you should have gone above the dam. That's what I, I think. I sent you a note about that.
0: I probably got it after I got back.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, because above the dam is deeper. Uh, it's quite quite. The visibility is pretty good. That's where that safe came from.
0: Yeah, so above the river. Yeah, we, we have to do that. And I'd love to get some uh, deep sensing. Uh, metal detectors might be handy.
1: A lot of junk out there.
0: There is. Well, what's, oh, yeah. what's scrap metal going for right now? Because I bet I if we, I, I'm bet if we were really motivated, we could bring up a lot of trash by weight that would actually have some scrap value.
1: If if you have the truck and you you have a winch, uh, there's a couple of good. I'm talking rolling bars like in a mill. They're down there. They're they're long and heavier than, uh, than heck. So if you want to wait, you could make some money.
0: Well, Dave and I found, and I'm sure you already found it, we found that anchor that was actually maybe a 10 to 15 horsepower motor. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that had to have been 100 pounds out of the water. We didn't bring it up. I left it there. I had a, a T-post that I used a little bit of a while as a, as a river tool since I had it. Uh, But just a a fun dive and and the fish, a lot of nice fish. And then when we, uh, between the dives, there's a DNR officer came in and they had a really nice boat set up for river diving.
1: Yeah, you put a picture of that on Facebook or something, but it was, that's a nice boat. Yeah, that that was a good shot you had.
0: Yeah, he had a nice uh, sea arc. And just some of the modification stuff doing it. And that one was actually a jet boat. They had the, uh, an outboard that had been modified and converted into a jet. So he said that works well, except for when you're in lily pads. Is that a tri hull or a flat-bottom CR? That was a flat-bottom. Well, it's a flat-bottom, but it actually has a tunnel. So it, what it's able to do is it's able to actually, like, so they say they have a rock outcropping. It can actually scoot over the outcropping because the engine is actually, the outboard's above that bottom so he says when they get to a rock your instinct is to slow down but really what you have to do is is gun it and then you skip across the top of it and then dave mentioned that uh, travis and justin finished their advanced open water on max rec. so that Woo-hoo! so i think that is the first i think the first time we've had a actual certification or part of a certification completed on max rec Milestone. Well,
2: actually, actually, that's the second certification.
0: What was, what was the first?
2: Uh, I got my archaeology card. Ah, well, there you go. For the work I did on Max Rec.
0: Excellent. So, yeah, the the river was, was amazing. Uh, definitely would do it. it just, it's gotten me all ready for this river season, which we're smack dab in the middle now. Yeah. problem is I wonder if my wetsuit's going to be able to make it. It's like slowly seams are going, my gloves are falling apart. Uh, I think my seven mil boots, I think I might've did the last dive for them and I'm going to have to use my three mils for a while. to i replace. So yeah, it's, uh, I'm being hard in my gear. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to make it all limp and survive Cooper river, uh, with Rich and Dave in October.
2: Aaron, they're picking on your what?
0: They're saying it's already dead. <laughs> it, it's kind of like a teenager in jeans. As long as they still hang on, they're not dead yet. <laughs> Oh, okay, so now we we talked about the, the dive that we just did. Now, Jim, you're up in Sheboygan. I am in Sheboygan. I drove up on Tuesday.
2: <laughs> and we, we got a little diving in Wednesday and a little diving in today. And we're hoping to get a little diving in tomorrow. So yesterday we hit the St. Andrew.
0: Oh, that's a nice one.
2: And the Barnum did some great penetration stuff on the Barnum. That was, that was really interesting, swimming through the collapses. Uh, decking and stuff on that, weaving our way through the beams. I had some nice video of the windlass until the card crapped out on the camera. So I lost that. But we'll go back. Uh, We stumbled across a really nice um, woodstock anchor sitting at about 20 feet. And there's a rudder there, a beautiful old wooden rudder off a big ship laying there with it. So we hope to get back and get some video of that. That's a new site that we've never been to before.
0: Now, is that fairly shallow? Yeah, it's in feet. Huh. nice sandy bottom
2: shallows. Uh, and then we today we went to the Cedarville. And I was kind of quiet on the podcast because I was watching the video that I shot of the Cedarville. And did a 100-foot dive on the Cedarville. And did some nice penetrations. And I tell you that 25 watt LED light that Bob has, man, that thing's like an underwater spotlight, underwater <laughs> sun. It's brighter than any HID I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, that's why. That's why I think he bought it. Was just how, how well it showed at the show. So.
2: Uh, that was really neat. Did you get the bridge shots? Um, bridge shots.
1: Yeah, the bridge is a great thing to get some shots of.
2: Um, nah, not, didn't really pay much attention to it. I've seen it before. But, yeah, we'll we'll try to get some bridge shots. And uh, tomorrow we're going to go to Sheboygan. There's a, a new tug. Well, a new new to us. It's a tug that sunk in the Sheboygan in Duncan Bay. So we're going to go explore this tug and work on the back plate and the doubles and the wading and uh, see if the seal I put in the wrist of the dry suit this morning will leak tomorrow or not. So that was uh, the plan for tomorrow, is kind of do some shallow stuff that's supposed to be rain here. And then Saturday, we hope to get out and do something a little deeper, whether we'll go back to Cedarville or go hit something else, I'm not sure.
0: Now, Bob said he found a couple wrecks you were looking for last year. Now, one of those was a tug. What was the other one?
2: Uh, the Leviathan, I think. Oh, okay. They were over in Duncan Bay.
0: Okay. Yeah,
2: one was the tug, I guess. I guess the tug went down last year. And there's one on the rocks and one that went down. And uh, the one that went down, I technically it's a navigation hazard, but I think it's out of the channel, so I'm not sure what they're going to do with it. Hopefully they'll just leave it there and make a nice shallow wreck.
0: Yeah, most likely I'm going to guess is that they're trying to figure out who's, who they're going to charge to pick it up.
2: Well, I think the owner heard a story that the owner had already been in court, so don't know what's going to happen there. You can't get blood from a stone. I'm not sure the IRS. Yeah. You guys going to hit the river? So, what's up next?
1: I was asked, are they going to hit the river? Um, uh, no, I didn't. I don't think we did anything. We haven't
2: done anything in the river yet, other than use it to get out into the lake. But we'll see what tomorrow brings.
0: So, and then uh, you'll be diving. Saturday and then Sunday and then scoot the way back?
2: Uh, we'll have to wait and see if we get a dive in Sunday morning. If it's just Bob and I, we may not get wet Sunday, just pack everything up and head back home.
0: So has anybody else shown up yet, or is it just you and Bob? Just
2: Bob and I so far. Wow. I keep waiting for you to show up Friday night or, you know, <laughs> Mac to get up here and we'll, you know, Mac will... We'll get the gear on you in the water and get it off you in the water so you don't have to lift anything. We'll even give you a scooter we'll, we'll give you a scooter or you know tie a line to you and tow you around if you want us to Well
0: see so you need to do is get somebody with a set of doubles and just have a regulator off one of the tanks and then have Mac breathe off that one
2: Hey, we've got some hoses we could stick together or you know bring up a 25 or 50 foot hose Mac and you know
1: you, can, okay. just, uh,
2: you, you can monkey dive it.
1: I've thought about it.
2: Come on up.
0: You know we'll accommodate. We'll find a way. Of course yeah. if you're mon- if you monkey get dive. There, we're gonna get you back. If you monkey dive, you have to be in a bikini though.
1: Oh will wear a speedo. <laughs> <laughs> Under my wet suit.
0: Yeah, the-, the chat room is saying no video please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So wow, a lot, a lot of diving going on, and you know it's not too late. Yes, summer is over; people, kids are back in school, but there's still plenty of diving to do. The water's going to stay warm for a little bit.
2: Well, we proved you can make it happen. I mean, Dave and Justin and Travis, this all came up uh, from Ohio. and went diving with us last weekend. So, yeah,
0: and that, and see, that proves that know, there's those,
2: those of you in the chat room or those of you who listen to the podcast. Uh, you find us; we'll get you wet.
0: Yep, you got you got to come out here. See, we we got proof you got proof now, corroboration that uh, those wrecks do exist. That we're just not talking about nothing. Yeah, they're, they're saying diving has two seasons, wet and dry. It's all wet for me. Mm. So uh, as always, remember we have the Facebook site, facebook.com/skubaobsessed. You can visit us on scubaobsessed.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Scuba Obsessed. And we also have the new divevideos.scubaobsessed.com website, where we're we're putting maybe not every day, but at least four or five videos a week are going up there. And if you have any you want to suggest, go head on over there, and there's a suggest a video button, and you can put the information in, and we'll take a look at the video, curate it, and put it on up there. So you got anything to plug, Mac or Jim? Not right now. Uh, I can't
1: think of anything major going on.
0: Uh, Still mark the the like we did for,
1: for the uh, treasure thing up at Moby's Dive for the yeah, uh, market
2: calendar for yeah. September, the, September the 29th. Fundraiser for the Southwest Michigan Underwater Preserve so we can get some buoys on some of these wrecks. Uh, Moby's Dive Shop in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They've got a lake or pond or mud puddle or something behind there that we can get wet in. So we're planning to do a treasure dive up there.
0: Excellent. Good place to go and get wet. Well, let's see if we, if we don't have anything else. I think we're to that time of the show.
1: All right. I've been waiting for this.
0: Well, I hope you haven't been waiting too long because I don't think it's all that good, but that's kind of what we how we sell it. So anything above that is a bonus or a curse, depending on your perspective. So in honor of back to school, here we go. On the morning of the second day to school, a scuba diving mother went to wake up her son. Wake up, son. It's time to go to school. But why, Mom? I don't want to go. Give me two reasons why you don't want to go. Well, the kids hate me for one, and the teachers hate me too. Oh, that's no reason not to go to school. Come on now and get ready. Give me two reasons why I should go to school. Well, for one, you're 52 years old, and for another, you're the principal. Mm. It was good. <laughs> uh, okay, so on that note, go out and get wet.
1: And stay safe.
0: And
2: remember, no Michigan lobsters were harmed in the making of tonight's show. If you don't know what a Michigan lobster is, we'll tell you next week.
1: recording has been completed.